Hebrews chapter 3, beginning from verse 16. For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed was it not all who came out of Egypt? Now with whom was he angry forty years? Was it not with those who sinned? Whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? But to those who did not obey. So we see that they could not enter in because of Unbelief. If you just give, go ahead and give me my the PowerPoint presentation there for, for this passage. So this morning I want to talk to us about being careful for nothing. Being careful for nothing. Now, in Philippians chapter 4, when Paul, my, this is the end of it, go to the beginning place. In Philippians chapter 4, when Paul was speaking in verse 6, he said, be careful for nothing. But in everything, we pray on supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. Amen? Now, when you read that scripture, be careful for nothing. You almost want to wonder, is Paul saying that at any given time, you don't ever get into anxiety? Does it mean that there is never a time when you panic, when you are in anxiety, or, or when you fret? No, I don't believe that's what Paul is saying. In the Greek, when it says, be careful for nothing, that phrase is talking about present continuous. In other words, what Paul is saying to you and I is that we should never get ourselves into a situation where we are continually, habitually in a fretful, anxious pattern or mode. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I can show that to you in scriptures in many places. Case in point, Jesus on the night before he was offered up at the Garden of Gethsemane. Even him said, Father, is it possible that this cup will pass over me? In other words, man, I know about this. Yes, I've, it's, it's been on my schedule all along, but now the time has come to really do this. Do I really want to go through this? But mind you, it didn't pack there. So the point is not if you and I will from time to time be fretful, be in anxiety, or be worried. The issue is, will you pack in that mood and just stay there and continue to be fretful, continue to be in anxiety, continue to uh, be in a situation where you're just afraid. So Paul says, be careful for nothing. And really from a person like Paul, look at his profile, look at his situation. He wrote this while he was in prison. So if anyone has any really any real reasons to be fretful, anxious, worried, I mean scared, Paul was a poster child. 
But in spite of all the things that was going on around him, within him, he had a constancy that reminded him that whatever's happening on the outside has an expiration date. It does not matter how tough it is. It does not matter how bad it looks. It does not matter what it is that's happening. Be rest assured. It has an expiration date. Last Sunday, uh, one of the members in this church came to my office and said to me, Pastor, I have my green card. Now, when I just said that now, some of you say, hmm, some of you don't really understand what that meant. No, seriously, seriously, seriously. But because I understand where he came from, and the things that had transpired in his life, I wept cheerfully with joy. I said I wept cheerfully. Almost like a contradiction. I mean, I almost broke his ribs. From, no, seriously. Because not so long ago, he looked like he will forever be doomed and live in gloom. This was the same man. I remember this vividly. That was hired by a friend of ours for a minimum wage as a security guard. And when it was time to pay him, they threw the book at him. They said, you don't have paper. And therefore, we cannot pay you. Am I talking about? I wish I could mention their name and bring them here to match. We plead with them back and forth. They threw the book at us. So why should we pay him? It's undocumented. It's illegal. Now they knew that when they had him. Absolutely. So when I think back to those days, when this human being that God loves, for which Jesus died, could not be deemed worthy for a minimum wage and get paid after having worked. And in a short span of time, due to consistency of pursuing God, everything that the devil wrote about their life to destroy them, to discourage them, to put them down, God overturned. Retooled and now blessed. I mean, blessed. So, when he said to me, I have my green card, for me, it was not just a green card. I was not celebrating a green card, I was celebrating the faithfulness of him who's able to change your circumstance, who's able to rewrite your life history. Who is able to say, when man casts you down, I will lift you up. Hey, 
Incredible. I remember a woman. I will mention your name. Lock that door. Don't let her go. <laughs> grab her now. <laughs> look at this. Look at this ushers. You guys are just, I said, grab her and you just let her go. <laughs> she ran away. <laughs> she ran away. All right, woman, you can come back. I will not mention her name. <laughs> No, but seriously, not so long ago, I know how the enemy wanted to destroy her and her husband. When the enemy painted a picture of hopelessness. When the enemy said to them, you will never have a child. And for a minute, it looked like it was real. It looked like, yes, it's going to be just so. I remember those days. I remember me and Pastor IBK being in that house and talking to them and saying, I don't care what the enemy is saying to you. God has another report. Amen. I was talking with her last night. And I made a mistake. I called her. I said, which hospital are you practicing now? Where, 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 where? I know you're a nurse. She said, no, Pastor, I'm not a nurse. No, I'm a nurse practitioner. I said, excuse me. I said, excuse me. I did not get the memo. Excuse me. Then I said to her, are you kidding me? Because the last time I was with her, well, not the last time, the, the, the first time I went to their home, I said, Pastor Abike, she was just in starting nursing school. Nursing school. And she finished that. Like play, like, say like play, like play. Like play, like play. All the while, while the enemy was saying, you will not make it. All the while, while the enemy was saying, no, not only will you not make it, you will not have a seed. Just like that. Like play, like play. She finished that. The child came. And it went on beyond that. And became a nurse practitioner. Let me get that right. So she will not have to correct me again. Why am I saying all of this to you? Because looking back now, it's just like yesterday. It's just like yesterday. And when God gets ready to move your situation. <laughs> there is no hold of demons in hell and on hell that can stop or prevent what God has or wants to do concerning your life. Don't ever believe a lie. 
weeping may endure for a season. But I'm here to assure you that joy comes in the morning. Ask Dario about it. Ask Wumi about it. I am sure they remember those days when, 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 when the devil's story looks so real. But now, when you look at what God has done, you now know for a fact that the devil is a liar. And I'm saying to you this morning, that same devil that lied to them is the same devil that's been lying to you. He will be found out to be a liar. Don't tell me what God cannot do. He's a good God. Be careful for nothing. Now, again, remember what I said to you. It does not mean from time to time you will not have reasons to panic, to be in anxiety or fretful. Momentum, moments, just moments, just moments. Where the thing hits, you get a bad news, something happens, and for a minute, you go back and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You quickly readjust, you quickly adjust yourself, and you quickly get on God's lane and say, no, I know what they're saying, but I know what God said. Now, let's go back to the passage in Hebrews chapter 3. God is a good God. Now, the story of Dio and uh, Womishok, and that's just one. There are so many of them. So many of them. We'll be bringing them out a little at a time. Just to encourage you. To help you know that people you're looking around you, they're workmen in the hands of God, and God has brought them from way far away places to plant them. And to establish them. And if God did it for them, he can do it for you. Now, back to the PowerPoint I said. Page two of the PowerPoint. Thank you. Hallelujah. Next page. It is hot in this. Hallelujah. Praise God. I guess I better go to mine. Okay. So in Hebrews, thank, thanks Pastor Charles. Thanks for the alarm. <laughs> so in Hebrews chapter 3, this was happening. The writer of Hebrews chapter 3, in verses 16 through 18, asked a series of questions. Number one, in verse 16, who rebelled? Let me read it. Keep that on the board. And let me just read it again. For who having heard rebelled? It's asking series of questions here. Who are those who heard the word of God and rebelled? Answer. Answer. All who came out of Egypt. All of those who, like me and you, came out of Egypt. Those who were delivered from the bondage of Pharaoh. In other words, we can say those who are born again. Are you following me? Who are those that rebelled? All those who heard. They heard the promise of God. I'm taking you to the promised land. And they came out of Egypt. All of them. 
are those whom God is telling us rebelled. Page two, number two. Thank you. With whom was he angry for 40 years? With whom was God angry for 40 years? Answer. Those who sinned. Leave it right there for a minute. Now this is big. Because when you and I read sin, immediately, immediately, and rightly so, there are immorality, there are complaints, there are murmurings, there are idol worshiping. All of those things were sin. But from God's perspective, that or those who are not the sins that stop them into entering the rest of God. Now, let, let me make sure you understand what I'm saying. With whom was he angry for 40 years? With those who what sinned. They murmured, they complained, they were into idol worshiping, they were into immorality. All of those things are a no-go. They are wrong. They are sin. Don't do them. They will destroy you. But from God's perspective, it's important you understand this. Was that the reason they were stopped from entering the rest of God? Number three. To whom did he swear? That they would not enter his rest. Answer. To those who did not obey. Why did they not obey? Unbelief. 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 The reason they did not enter into rest. No, they are born again already. Or they've been delivered from bondage. They've been taken out of darkness. So the issue here is not being born again or being taken out of darkness. That's already accomplished. But even though they are delivered or like me and you, born again, they never entered into rest. They never entered into the realm called rest. What is rest? Rest is that place where as a child of God, you are totally, completely dep- dependent and reliant on God for your daily existence. I need to say that again. Rest is that realm where you and I enter into in which we become totally, completely dependent on, reliant on God for our daily existence. So they came out of Egypt, all right. But they never got to that point where they depend on God. They never got to the point where they reliant on God. And God said they did not get there because of unbelief. Um, we completely dependent and reliant on God today. And if we are not, it's because of unbelief. 
Now, let me tell you what unbelief does. Next page. Next slide. Unbelief is rebellion against God. <laughs> now, now I, 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 that gets your attention a little bit. Because as parents, we say we have kids, our children are rebellious. And for you, that's a big issue. How do we define rebellion? What makes a person rebellious? A person is rebellious when they know prescribed truth. They hear it, they know it, but they gainsay it. Okay, let me speak that to you in to, to common language. You know the truth, you know what to do. But you take what to do for granted. And you say, well, maybe not this one time it doesn't matter. At that point, you are rebellious. Let, let, let that sink in. When I know what to do, when I know what God is saying, and I deliberately choose not to do it, at that moment, I become rebellious. You remember the story of Samuel? No, yeah? Samuel and King Saul. God said, go and destroy the Amalekites. Don't leave one of them alive. You remember that story? First Samuel chapter 13, I believe it is. And Saul went, executed, killed nearly all of them, but kept the king alive. Now, notice this, notice this, notice this. He killed nearly, in parenthesis, nearly all of them, but kept just one alive. If you went to the school that Pastor Charles went to, if you just miss one equation out of a raffle, out of 100, you've done very well. If you get 99 out of 100. Absolutely. Of course. Any school you go, Harvard, Princeton, Yale, if you get 99 out of 100, they will shake your hand. You've done very well. 99 out of 100? Come on, give me a break. A plus plus. But not so with God. Not when instruction is clear. And in Saul's case, he knew what to do, but he decided to change it. To use his own discretion to change what God has done. Or what God has said. Is that not what you, what you and I do? God says, stand here. Ah, well, yes, I'll stand. But God, do you understand that if I stand, I'll miss the, uh, I'll miss the game. I'll miss the job. I, we give all kinds of reasons. And the reasons, they, they, they are noble. There are reasonable reasons. But as long as we continue to give those excuses, we don't get to the place of total dependence on God or reliance on God. Rebellion. Unbelief is rebellion against God. Give in the next page. Next page. Next page. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Unbelief is the root of all disobedience. The reason they did not go in into their rest, into the promised land. Well, because they didn't believe. That's what we just read in Hebrews chapter 3. And so because they did not believe, they did not obey. If there's any area of the word of God that you are not obeying, 
is because in that area you don't believe God. Whatever the area is, if there's any area of the word of God that you and I don't obey, the root cause is unbelief. So rather than start chasing shadows, I need to correct this, I need to correct that. No, 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 just get in belief. Now let me give you a Bible passage, and then I'm going to move on here so we can close. Uh, we have a celebration after the service, Thanksgiving. Go with me to uh, Isaiah chapter 30. Isaiah chapter 30. So those Israelites did not go in to possess their rest because of unbelief. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 1, verse 2, and verse 15. Isaiah 30, verse 1. Woe to the rebellious children, says the Lord, who take counsel, but not of me, and who devise plans, but not of my spirit. Things happen to us to rob us of our peace. We get bad news. Things are happening around us. And if care is not taken, you start devising your own means. I'm telling you, stop it. Because whatever means we devise is limited based on what we know. And what we know in the natural is very limited. So you are devising means that cannot last. Verse 2. Who walk to go down to Egypt and have not asked my advice to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. Verse 15. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. Now, let, let me just give you the context for this passage very, very quickly. God is speaking here to Hezekiah. Who in 2 Kings chapter 18 heard of the attack of the mighty Assyrian army. And he became so scared because up to that time, the Assyrian had a track record. They attack you, they finish you. They were the strongest living army in Hezekiah's days. So when Hezekiah heard that these guys were looking to attack him, the first thing he did was offer them a bribe. He said, I'll give you 3,000 treasures from the house of my God. Assyria took it. They took the money from me and said, okay, we took your money. We're still coming to attack you. Is that, is that not what our short devices do? You patch the thing, that's all it is. It's just patched. You just postpone the problem for another day. So Assyria came the second time. He had not learned, learned his lesson. This next time now, he went to Egypt. He said, let me make an alliance with Egypt. Egypt helped me to fight the Assyrians. So God is saying to him, Isaiah chapter 30, Hezekiah, what is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? First, you offer a bribe. Next, you go to Egypt. Don't you understand that the strength of Egypt will fail? Don't you understand that? That when trouble comes, there's the only one that can trouble the trouble? 
So in verse 15, it says, In return, return to me. Because when you return to me, then in rest shall be your salvation. So for you and I, for any of us who is fretful, who is anxious, who is worried, the first call of duty is to return. Return means repent. Change your mind about how you are perceiving your situation. Your situation is lying to you. Your situation is telling you it's going to take you under. It's going to overwhelm you. It's going to destroy you. But don't believe that for a minute. Return. Don't focus on the problem. Focus on him who is able to take care of the problem. Return. We need to what? Return. We need to return. Secondly, he says when you've come to rest, then you will see your salvation. Now let me, let me, let me just drill on that in a minute. In a, in a minute. Pastor Justin Minister here a few weeks ago and used the scripture in Exodus chapter 33 verses 12, 13, and 14. Let me revisit that to show you why rest is so critically important. In Exodus 33, Verse 12, Moses was asking God the question, who do you say will go with us? In verse 13, he wanted to know from God, apart from who is going with us, show me your way. How would you show me the way? Which way? Which direction? What's your plan? So two things Moses had on his heart. Number one, who is going to escort us? Number two, what is your plan or your way or your will in this matter? Are you following me? God answers both questions in verse 14. In verse 14 he says, my presence will go with you. That takes care of question in verse 12. The last part of verse 14 says, and I will give you rest. Speaking to the question of verse 13. In other words, in rest, you find direction. You see, we never can find a godly direction when we're fretful. When we're anxious. When we're worried. Because your mind is bombarded with worldly affairs and worldly circumstance. And therefore, you resort to worldly means. But when you come to a place of rest, a place where you say, God, you know what? You are in charge. You are sovereign. You are in control. I am yours and you are mine. And therefore, no matter what happens, I feel secured in you. And so God, take it over. I'm taking my hands off the steering wheel. I'm going to allow you to drive. I'm enjoying the ride. When you say that, I mean it. Direction comes. So if you've been looking for direction in your life, if you've been trying to find out what's the will of God, what's God saying, how is God going to do it, get into a place of rest. This was the reason David could not build a temple. Because David, David was a man of war, fighting all the time. But when God gave rest to Israel in Solomon's days, Solomon was able to build a temple. So the answer you're looking for comes from and in the place of rest. Did you get that? Yes. The place of rest. Now, let's go back to Isaiah 15 because there are four things that's mentioned. 
First it says he return. Next it says rest. And then the third thing says quietness. Quietness. We need to be quiet. Not quiet as in being silent, but a place of peace. A place of stillness. Isaiah chapter 30 verse 15. Thank you. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest, you shall be saved. The next thing he says, in quietness. Quietness is the next thing. Quietness talks about peace, being still before God. Be still and know that what? I am God. You can only know that when you are still. Being still meaning you are not going around doing all of this, doing all of that. You are not calling the bank, calling the collector, calling this one, doing that. No, no. If you can take care of that, you don't need God. No. You need to be still. Take your hands off. Don't make another phone call. Let your only call be to God. Say, God, I need you. Help me. Save me. Deliver me. Give me a word. And after you've done that, be still. Be quiet. In Exodus chapter 14, in verses 13 and 14, Israel was facing the Red Sea in their front, in their, in their front and behind them, the army of Pharaoh. I mean, these guys came to the end of the road. It does not get any worse than that. Mountains on both sides, in the front of the Red Sea, behind Egyptian army. Where are you going? What's that instruction? Stand still. And today you will know the salvation of the Lord. What? Maybe God know, don't know what's going on. Do you not hear the hoofing behind us of the horses and the chariots of Egypt? If we wait another minute, God, they're going to destroy us. Did that change God's mind? No. Stand still. Hey! Because I set you up. It looked like this thing is going to destroy you, but the truth of the matter is, it is in this thing I will vindicate you. Oh, glory to God. What the enemy sent to shame you, God will use to lift you. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. I mean, it could not be any worse. And God said, stand still. And today, not tomorrow, you will see the salvation of God in your life. The problem is I'm willing to stand. And we're willing to be quiet. Because it's in quietness that God does what he does. Because quietness is, a, is, is an expression of your confidence. I can hear the hoof behind me. They are coming. I know they are coming. But I'm confident. I'm not going to cast away my confidence. Because I know with my confidence, there's a recompense of reward. First he says they should return. Then he says they should get into rest. Then he says be quiet. Then he says confidence. 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 Little boy David, the army of the Philistines came to attack them. Saul and his entire army were cowering in fear. Fretting, anxious, worried. The boy said, really? Do you guys know who my God is? When was the last time you checked? 
Because my God will give me victory over the lion and over the bear. Is more than able to destroy these uncircumcised Philistines. Confidence. But you see, he could not have that confidence except he first rested. In other words, believe God and trust God. Trust God. Be careful for nothing. Listen, let God be who he says, or let's just say God is not real. But we can't be doing both. We can't be doing both. We can't be doing both. So Jesus sums it up for us, and I'm closing now. In Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Give it to me in a message translation, please. Matthew 11, verse 28. Jesus sums it all up. Because he only knows too well. Are you tired? That could be for someone here today. Are you tired of fighting? Are you tired of arguing with your boss, with your wife, with your husband, with your children? Are you tired of life's dealings in your life? Are you worn out? You should be if you've been walking in the flesh. Because you recognize by mind's strength shall no one prevail. You've been trying and trying and trying by your own strength. You've not prevailed. You should be worn out. Are you burnt out on religion? Because religion gives us 19 steps of what we must do. And God's saying, if you just know. All I want you to do, one thing, believe. Believe. Come to me, he says. Get away with me and you recover what? Your life. There is someone here today that needs to recover their life. And the word to you is coming away with Jesus. I will show you how to take what? A real rest. Next verse, please. Walk with me and work with me. Now, watch this now, because normally we stop in verse 28. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Last verse, verse 30. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. This is where the rubber meets the road. Why could Jesus say, come to me, all you that are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest? Verse 28 is no good if you don't read verses 29 and 30. Absolutely not. Verse 29 and 30 is where it explained what happens in verse 28. Verse 28 is the answer. Verse 29 and 30 is the process. And I've told you before, if you don't understand the process, you will not be able to attain the result. Now give me back now those verses in the New King James Version. New King James. Verses 29 and 30. New King James. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. 
This is where rest comes. From gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Next verse. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Oh my goodness. Anyone in Israel who works in agriculture immediately knew what he was saying. Verse 29 says, take my yoke upon you. What's he talking about? He's talking about the agricultural implement where two oxen are yoked together for the common purpose of accomplishing a task. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Can I get an oxen to come here with me now? Come, 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 quickly, quickly, sir, quickly. Thank you very much. Oxen number one, oxen number two. We have one singular task. One singular task only. But the only way we're going to accomplish it, or rather, there are two ways. We could be separated. I'm doing mine, he's doing his. This is Jesus, this is Stephen. Okay? So I'm doing my own, he's doing his own. Who will accomplish greater results? Jesus. Jesus. So Jesus said, you know what? You are part of me. So because you're part of me, let's be yoked together. Because in the agricultural terminology, they put a wooden stick the cross. Mm. To yoke the two animals together. Whoa. The cross has brought me and you near to Jesus Christ. Mm. So because we are now yoked together, he says, learn from me. Stephon, we are going to do that task. Don't try to do it. This is going to be shared burden. Mm. Instead of you doing it alone by yourself, mm. let me share it with you. Mm. But in sharing it with you, learn from me. Mm. In other words, let me take the lead. Mm. Just follow me, Stephon. Just follow me. It's easy. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. I'm not going to put anything on you that you cannot handle. Because I know the frame in which you are made. I made you. I created you. I understand how much you can take. Therefore, I will not put any more on you that you can bear. Just let me do the work. Just enjoy the ride. Come with me. Hallelujah. That's what Jesus is offering us. Why are you running alone? Why are you laboring by yourself? He said, take my yoke upon you. It is only when you are yoked to him that you really find rest. Because instead of you doing the work, he's doing it and giving you credit. Oh my God. My goodness, he's getting it done. But he said, Are you enjoying this? It's, it's, you know what you do for your children? That doesn't happen down here. It doesn't happen down, down here? No, it happens up there. <laughs> <laughs> so you give your son the five dollars, he goes and buys you, he buys you this funny looking tie. <laughs> that is this Christmas present, and he's happy right. that he's giving you a price. But you are the one that paid for it. There you go. There you go. That's exactly what Jesus has in mind for us. Come unto me, he says. Those of you who are burdened, 
and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Yes. He said, take my yoke upon you. I already have a yoke. I already went to the cross. Just receive the ministry of the cross. Learn from me. My yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Do you understand that? Yes. That is when you and I can be careful for nothing. Because we know it's all on who? Jesus. Now, let me just take a minute this morning. If you're here and you're really, really burdened. You're really burdened. There are issues that you're dealing with for which you want us to be in agreement with you. You want us to touch and agree for God to give you the grace to trust him. Dear, can I get that song again? My hymn?